This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy Lotridge Anderson, president of New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. From MPB Think Radio, this is Creature Comforts. It's the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, is out this week. I think she's on the road back from Oregon, so we'll be glad to welcome Libby back for future shows here as we open 2023. It's an all-pet day on Creature Comfort. It is the beginning of a new year, and no better way to start the year than checking up on your furry friends. The doors to our pet hospital are wide open, and we welcome pet questions from the big to the small. Maybe you become a first-time pet owner during the holidays or need help getting back on track after a busy holiday season. So don't hesitate to join the conversation by phone or email. You can email animals at mpbonline.org. Always like to remind you, Creature Comforts airs Thursday mornings at 9 and repeats Saturday mornings at 6. So good morning and Happy New Year, Dr. Major. How was your holiday? It was very good, fairly quiet, but it was was good. Did a little rest and uh, it was always good to, you know, take a little time off, but it was good. Hope yours was well and... uh, had a good good New Year and Christmas. Well, I, I had a good holiday, but it was somewhat marred with having to do both home repair and auto repair. But I'm I'm back on the road and, and back in my house, so things are looking good for the New Year, that's for sure. Well, those are essentials. It has to be done. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we've got a caller to get to, but I just wanted to mention that today, January 5th, is National Bird Day. It was started in 2002 by the Avian Welfare Coalition and it's used as a day to raise awareness of the hardships and plights these important animals have and how we can initiate changes needed to create a healthier, more sustainable relationship with them. Uh, easy ways to create bird-friendly communities in 2023. You can plant native plants for birds, uh, turn off lights, and uh, maybe avian architectures. Uh, many species of birds can be given a better chance to survive and thrive through a little assistance from structures that we build, including birdhouses, roosting towers, nets, platforms, and artificial burrows. So again, if you're uh, a bird lover, it's a couple of ways that you can make it easier for our avian friends as we begin the new year as well. So as I mentioned, uh, we have a caller, so let's start off by going to Utica. Gary's on the line. Good morning, Gary. Go ahead with your question. Good morning. Uh, uh, hi, Dr. Major. I'm Gary. I'm from Utica. Yeah, um, and I have two dogs, um, and I wanted to ask about probiotics for them. They're like eight years old, and uh, do you recommend probiotics for them? And let me tell you um, what I've experienced with them. Um, When I take them out, and I live in downtown Utica, (laughs) down on Depot Street, um, and it's really strange. I kind of freaked out the first time they did it. But they go after, in the summertime, they go after the goldenrod uh, bushes or the weeds or whatever, and they love them, and they eat them. And the first time that they ever ate them, I kind of freaked out. I was afraid would not kill them, but they're healthy. But I was wondering, you know, what you recommend as far as probiotics for dogs? 
you know, there's several different uh, brands available, and just like with people. And uh, do your dogs, how about the hair coat, the skin? How does that look? Uh, are they having normal they're very, uh, stools? Yeah, they're very or, healthy. Uh, I've taken very good care of them over the years. They see the vet, you know, twice a year and all their shots. And, uh, they were actually never been, uh, because they are, uh, they were mistakes. Uh, my black chow went into heat and bred with the neighbor's catahoula. So I have chow <laughs> but they're beautiful dogs. Uh, hair and and you know one is gray and spotted and black and white and one um uh, the the grandmother had cinnamon chow in her lineage so one of them is brown you know like the cinnamon chow uh but then also has the catahoula characteristics so uh I, you know you would have never no one would ever have done that but they have it turned out to be beautiful uh, mistakes, right. as, as we say, breed-wise. Right. And, and you've taken good care of them. You know, uh, genetics is a mysterious and wonderful thing. You never know yeah. exactly what's going to happen. But uh, as far as the probiotics, I guess the question I have, is it necessary? And there's a lot of advertisements. If you look at TV at all, uh, they're probiotics uh not constantly, but quite a few probiotics that are advertised for people. Uh, it does not hurt. Uh, some dogs actually respond from the standpoint of allergies, this sort of thing. But uh, if the dogs are healthy and you're feeding good quality food, I don't know that there's actually a need for probiotics. Okay. And, and, and you know, the, there's the, also the question that you see on the Internet, why do dogs eat grass or, or green? <laughs> And there's about seven or eight reasons for that, and I can't list them all. Uh, does the dog know that uh, there are phytonutrients in the grass? Possibly it's genetically uh, there. The goldenrod deal, uh, they sensed it, and they decided, hey, this was good, and it didn't hurt them. Normally, uh, dogs will eat grass, and uh, a lot of times they will throw up uh, if they have a gastric irritation or even, let's say, worms, uh, intestinal worms, sometimes they'll be irritated and will eat the grass and they will throw up. Other people believe that it actually is kind of like a uh, scouring, a scourge. It kind of cleans out the GI tract to eat the grass. So there are a lot of different reasons why a dog might eat grass. Some of them do it just because they like it. They, I mean, literally, they really chow down on it. And then in the fall, you know, when they're starting to die back, I, I pick them off and give them to them, and, you know, they, the, the one time that they did throw up, I, this was horrible of me, I came home, and they had eaten the Delta rod, and I gave them a couple of pig skins, you know, fried pig skins, okay. and, yeah. and then they threw up, because the pig skins were bad for them, so, but, uh, and, okay, know, well, I appreciate your call, and, you know, it sounds like your dogs are in good shape, and that's, I know you take good care of them. All right, to Gary, thanks for kicking us off this morning with your phone call. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio, and it is an all-pet day with Dr. Troy Major. I got an email here, Dr. Major. This sounds like a, a, a real trouble. It says, my son and his wife have three cats, two males, one female. All have been spayed or neutered. All stay indoors 95% of the time. 
They've coexisted peacefully for three to four years until just recently. Now one of the males and the female siblings have become quite antagonistic towards the second male. This seems to have started quite suddenly. Uh, What's going on, and is there any way that they can restore the peace? Gosh, that is difficult. How how old are they? Um, Doesn't say, but uh, they've been together for three or four years, so they appear to be kind of maybe older cats. Right, and they're they're having a dominance-type issue, uh, and I'm not sure who started that, but uh, quite often we see in in a household that one or more cats will pick on another one, if you want to call it picking on, but they will uh, have one situation where the cats will not let the one of the other cats go to the litter box. So it's a real problem. So they have to have another litter box set up to allow that cat to have a place to go. Uh, but they stand guard over the litter box that they use and uh, won't let the cat pass by. But it sounds like one of one or more or both of them are trying to exert a dominance like an alpha type situation over this other one and quite frankly they will probably work it out. But if they have plenty of space where they can have some you know, individual space for for each of the cats, it seems to work well. Why this started after say two or three years, I can't explain other than one or more of the cats decided that they were gonna be dominant. The other thing, too, is sometimes I think is, uh, you know, my brother has two cats and, you know, they coexist fine. But a lot of times they tussle, you know, get after each other. And it and it's, I think, kind of playtime. So as a pet owner, how do you know, hey, this is just cats having fun versus, uh oh, these two are really going at each other. Right. And usually the cats will uh, let each other know. And this is one of the things about raising orphan cats. They never have that, uh, when you have a single orphan cat, they never have that opportunity for the give and take of roughhouse or tussle. And some of these cats do develop some personality traits where they will bite people, not more, not in a play, but it can't hurt, certainly, if they, they do that. Uh, I would say that cats are very sensitive. Something may have set this, these cats off. I have seen cats where another cat has come up to the door or to the window and maybe it was an intact male or not, but sprayed. And the cat that was inside was never quite the same after that. So they they can have some personality uh, issues. And sometimes we don't know why. So for for the meantime, though, maybe try to keep them as separate as possible, although with cats, that's, that's a little bit difficult, but try to give them each their space and see if things might and, calm down. Right, and do some environment enrichment. Maybe uh, if you have a place for it, maybe a couple of boxes, you know, where one or more of the cats can retreat. I like to, and we've talked about this before, but where you have a closed box and got a couple of holes in it where the cat can go in and out. Uh, maybe a couple of those, a cat tree helps. Anything to take their mind off of what they're doing and an opportunity uh, for some space away from the others would help. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, and today is an all-pet edition of Creature Comforts. If you want to join the conversation with your pet question or a comment, you can email animals at mpbonline.org. Back to the phone lines we go. Kathleen has been holding on from Tupelo. Good morning, Kathleen. You're on the air with us, so go ahead. Hi. Um, I've lived in Mississippi twice and 
had a variety of dogs, and I also uh, do some cageless boarding. And almost all the dogs will eat that Mississippi red dirt. They find this place, and they'll use their teeth, and they actually eat it. <laughs> and I, I don't know why, and nobody has gotten sick. Uh, these are healthy dogs, but I just didn't know we heard about that. You know, the dogs will, uh, quite often, we have some situations where dogs will dig. Uh, every day they'll go out and uh, dig in the dirt. Uh, maybe not big holes, but they will eat some of the dirt. Uh, I would say they're craving it. Uh, to tell you that they have a deficiency or anything like that, it sounds like the dogs are healthy and it's not an issue there. But there are some minerals and some of the different tastes and I don't think it's going to hurt the dogs to, to eat that uh, red clay. Okay, I wish thank I could tell you. you. I, about, have, I wish I could yeah, tell you more about why they're them. doing it. <laughs> right. Well, they must like um, it, so that's good. Yeah, and I just wanted to say one thing on the cats. I had two kittens that played and slept together, and at one year old, they actually started hurting each other. And they were neutered males, and one bit the other one in the face. It cost me a lot of money with an abscess, and I had to get one of them a different home. But I, I'd never had that happen before. That, I appreciate uh, that. Anyway. But, uh, yeah. I've always said that cats, you know, you have two cats, three cats, whatever, and you come home one day, and one of them or more of them will look like a different cat as far as their attitude. Uh, maybe not look like, but act like a different cat that you didn't even know. And uh, that they can change personalities pretty quickly. One of the things I would say, Kevin, for the uh, person that sent the uh, email on the cats fighting, there mm. are things called a pheromone collar, which has the maternal pheromone uh, in it. And I've had some success with those collars uh, calming uh, cats down. So this person might be cons- interested in that. All right. Thanks, Kathleen, for your phone call. You know, the thing I would say, too, is with cats' behavior, you know, the, most of the time my cat's around and pays attention to me, acknowledges my existence and that sort of thing. But then at other times, I'll be doing something and he'll hop right up in my lap. And so it's it's always funny the way uh, their personality changes, as we mentioned, and also th- that idea that they always want to be the center of attention. They they don't want to be ignored. And if you're doing something, they will come in and see what's going on and, and plop themselves down right in the middle of things. So part of the joys of being a cat owner. Hey, we are going to Memphis for our next call, and it's Lola on the air. Good morning. Go ahead, please. Good morning, sir. Uh, I have a little Jack Russell, and uh, he has a cataract growing in one of his eyes, and I, 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 I'm on a budget. So if you could give me a ballpoint figure of roughly how much that would probably cost to get it removed, I'll make an appointment. Okay. Uh, Roughly. You don't have to give me that, an exact amount. Yes, ma'am. They're a veterinary ophthalmologist. In, you're in Memphis, is that correct? Yes, sir. Yes. I would suspect somewhere in the 2000 to $2,500 range, just off the top of my head. I can't speak for them, but that would probably be the most recent price that I've heard, Okay. Okay. And and one other thing, sir, he stopped eating yes. dog food. Is that okay. common? What is what is he eating now? Uh, my roommate feeding him what she eats. Okay. 
Okay. It's, he uh, didn't how, old is this? How, how old is this dog? This dog is oh. probably about 13 to 15 years yeah. old. And have you had the uh, the eye examined by a veterinarian or an ophthalmologist? No, sir, I have not. Okay. It just that would be the, it looked like would it be just the grew overnight. Right. That would be one of the first things to do, to have it examined and see. Not all cataracts are operable, and uh, I would suggest that you set up an appointment with a veterinarian to look at it and give you advice what to do. As far as it not eating the dog food, I'm wondering if maybe the teeth could be a problem uh, at 13 years old. He could have some teeth that are painful or not letting, allowing to eat even a dry food. So you might try uh, canned food, good quality canned food, and see if that helps. Sir, he won't eat it. I see okay. the pedigree or gravy train. Are those pretty right. good? The pedigree is good food. I, I haven't studied gravy train much lately, but a lot of these are, are not as good as others. But Heinz, pedigree, Purina, all of those are good food. Okay. Okay. Well, good luck he to you. He won't eat pedigree to, anymore. Well, there's got to be something going on causing him to do that. He may actually crave people food if your roommate is feeding him uh, what what they eat. I would say that he's been horribly spoiled. Probably he is gaining weight, she said, and he may hold out for, for people food. Like you say, you may have to figure out a way to be tough on him. But anyway, do get the eye checked out as a veterinarian so they can tell you what the best course of action would be, okay? All right, Lola, thanks for your call. And, you know, Dr. Major, I would say with the food thing, if, if uh, first I would ask the roommate not to feed him people food, uh, but if you right. put down dog food and that's all he gets, eventually he's going to eat it, I guess, right? That's true in most cases. There might be some reason. I'm wondering about teeth still. But he is eating the people food, so that may not be the problem. He may just be holding out for people food. And your your comment about only giving him dog food may be correct. Incidentally, I did have a friend just uh, texted me and said that she's had great success with the fell away spray uh, when cats are fighting. And uh, that is a good good point. I failed to mention that. They have diffusers, but uh, a lot of people like the fell away spray, which is a, has a calming effect and may help in the situation where these cats are fighting. Uh, so, Dr. Major, uh, Bo and I, my cat, are scheduled to be at your clinic Saturday for the annual checkup. Uh, remind us when it, when our pets come in for that annual visit, what, what sort of things are you looking for? You know, a good examination, uh, actually being able to just physically look over all parts of the cat, if you will, uh, talk to the uh, cat owner to be sure that there are not any problems that you might not see. But looking at teeth, eyes, ears, uh, looking for any type of a growth or anything like that, and just really just conversing about what uh, how the cat is doing. Listening to the heart is important. We always try to do that just to be sure that there's no changes there and any type of GI problems. I do recommend bringing a stool sample uh, rather than us trying to take a stool sample from a cat uh, a small amount is fine, a Ziploc or Tupperware or whatever. Uh, 
you know, to check uh, for intestinal parasites. Even though a cat may be inside, it's possible that they could have intestinal parasites. Vaccinations are uh, important as well. Uh, for a cat, the feline viral rhino tracheitis and leukopenia uh, and leukemia, uh, those are all important. And rabies based on uh, the frequency. Uh, there are some three-year vaccines that cut down on the amount of times you have to give a cat rabies vaccination. And uh, one of the things I like when we go for an annual checkup is that you clip his nails for me because I have tried to do that in can, and he's got the worst sharp claws I think of any cat I've ever had. We have some that really have more like a talon than would be on an eagle or something. It's pretty sharp and pretty long. Uh, so, uh, sort of circling back, you know, our last caller, the, the dog was a bit older. Uh, what are some concerns that uh, both a, maybe a vet and a pet owner working together have about uh, older pets? That's a great question. And, of course, again, getting into the situation of a 13-year-old dog. She said it was a Jack Russell, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, a small dog, but it sounds like it's gaining weight. That certainly could be an issue. Uh, the eyes, there can be many things causing problems with the eyes. Cataracts usually start to develop in most dogs, just like in people. And in dogs somewhere around 10, 11 years old, usually you have some immature cataracts starting. It's strange that she mentioned this was just in one eye. Uh, there might be some other cause or something else going on in that eye. Uh, usually you see bilateral cataracts, and some dogs do quite well. With cataracts, others may lose their eyesight completely, so it's wise to have it checked by a veterinarian who may refer you to an ophthalmologist. Teeth are very important. Uh, Rarely do I see a dog that's 10, 12 years old that doesn't have some degree of uh, dental tartar, uh, uh, erosion of the uh, gum line toward the gum line recedes, and you start to get loose teeth that can be painful. And uh, that's what I was thinking might be part of the problem with that dog, but it's eating people food. Uh, the other thing that we see as they get older, just like in people, quite often you see some uh, usually benign type uh, growths, but uh, not necessarily benign. But we see a fair number of tumors affecting the skin and also uh, other areas of the body. So these are things that you look at, especially in an older dog, and I recommend a baseline um, <clears throat> blood work as the dog gets over eight years old, for example, simply to know what's going on and possibly um, getting to the root of a problem before it gets to be serious. So those are things that you need to do in a geriatric dog. And then, you know, the other thing about... Uh... Or cat, excuse me, or cat, yeah. The uh, the annual checkup, <clears throat> it's amazing to me how <clears throat> he, he seems to know what's going on. I guess maybe when I pull out the carrier, he must <laughs> know what that is because every time we go to visit you, Dr. Major, we have this little game where he runs around the house and, you know, I chase him and so I'll close off doors. And unfortunately, I do feel good because eventually he'll corner himself somewhere where he can't get away. And, uh, you know, usually once he gets in the carrier, he's fine. But kind of getting in and out, he, he seems a little fussy. But I could understand that because, you know, who, who wants to be jammed into a small little box for a little while? But, you know, it's one of those things like where does the cat go? Uh, let's say when company comes and somebody that he doesn't 
don't like, you know, the cats quite often disappear, yeah. uh, especially if there's noise and stuff like that. But I, I'm not sure that I have a great technique uh, as far as when to put the carrier out. Uh, some people will put it out a day or so ahead of time and let the cat kind of look at it. But if you put it out right when you get ready to go, many times a cat uh, especially will say, hey, I'm going to go hide somewhere. <laughs> They're smarter than we think, that's for sure. That's Absolutely. Kevin Farrell here on MPB Think Radio with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, who's out this week. You're listening to Creature Comforts. If you missed any of today's show, you can always subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app, or better still, download the MPB Public Media app. That way, you get to listen to all the local MPB Think Radio programs on your schedule. If you want to join our conversation this morning, you can always email animals at mpbonline.org. Back to the phone lines we go. Our friend Kathleen is on the line. Good morning, Kathleen, and Happy New Year. Oh, I'm I'm doing a lot better. I thought I'd have to invest in a boat dock out here this last week. (laughs) But uh, it's been crazy. I have this cat I call Messy Jessie because she's very multicolored. You can never figure out what color she was, you know. And uh, she has a bad habit of in and out when she wants to. You can call or not call. It's up to her. But uh, she's been out most of the summer. She enjoyed it, to my discretion. But... uh, she decided she wanted to come in again about a month and a half ago. And I caught her, and I was kind of massaging, cutting a little face, and I noticed her lips are not pink anymore. All the way around are black. And I remember a long time ago you mentioned that, but I can't remember what was the cause or was it serious. You know, that's fairly common, especially when you have a, a cat. Of course, I guess she's a calico, is that correct? Or uh, forty, a gray, orange, and black, oh. multicolored tabby. Okay, she she's she's in in between some of the different things. Oh it's yeah, not unusual. Not Stop unusual to see this. Co- yeah, not unusual to see this color change where you get the the black around the lips. It's not and a. And she's about uh, 14, 15 years old. Right. But it's not a it's not uh, not a disease and such, and I really feel like since she's going to be fine, there's no swelling around any of these places, or they just changing color. No, correct? no, no, no okay. swelling. Other than that, you not that old, but I know I can. She seems to be in good shape. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. The other day she caught her a mouse, and was making circles around the house with the mouse in her mouth. And she had her tail looking like that question mark. And when I came out, she ran up to me and still had it in her mouth. I wanted to get it away from her because those things are nasty, you know. But, no, she took off again still with the mouse in her mouth. Well, she so was showing it off. She, 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 oh, yes, yeah. she was. Absolutely proud. Well, I was so glad because I didn't want her bringing in something to the house. You know, BB, he's old, too. He's 12 going on 13. Can you believe that, Doc? That old thing? Remember the right. day you told me he found you and you are his mom <laughs> or he's your boy? Well, he's turned out to be a wonderful, wonderful pet. I, I wouldn't have traded him for anything in the world. 
And the two that I have left, believe it or not, because uh, I only have two. At one time I had 13, and they were all half mine, half, uh, what do you call, that strays that came up that I took care of. But uh, the two I have left were both strays. So at least I, I did something that not only helped them, but helped me too. Absolutely. That sounds great. All right, uh, Kathleen, good to hear from you. And, yes, shouldn't be uh, anything to worry about the cat. And uh, just be glad that you didn't bring the mouse into the house. So thanks for your call. Uh, let's move on next. Uh, Jordan has called in this morning from the road. Good morning, Jordan. You're on the air with us. So go ahead. Hello. Thank you for taking my call. I hope you all are doing good. I've got a pit bull. Uh, I, got, I, I found him in the road, and then I just kind of kept him. He's home with my mama right now. But he just he, he whines. He just breathes this high pitched whine all the time. It's hard to keep him in the kennel because he whines. And I don't know. It's like he's just a real emotional dog. You got. I, we tried giving giving him some calming chews, and we fed him all the time. You have how, any how, old is, yeah, how old is he now, roughly? Uh, he he is. Uh, he's between two and three, I would say. Right. Of course, it sounds like probably he had been traumatized or dumped out uh, when you found him in the road. Uh, was he a puppy then, or was he uh, grown? Yeah, he he was he was just a little feller when I found him. Right, right. You know, I can't say that I can change that in any way or tell you how to change it. Uh, does he do it primarily when he's in his kennel? Yeah, it's when he's in his kennel, and he'll want to go outside. Then he'll go outside for a minute and come back in. <laughs> Right. Uh, some of the listeners may have some suggestions. I, I really don't know how to tell you to change that. Uh, but when he's in the house, not in the kennel, he's okay? Uh, yeah. Yeah, he's pretty okay. Right. It's just hard, it's just hard to keep him in the kennel. I understand. But. Well, I, I'm not sure you've tried some of the calming uh, type shoes, I guess. Uh it doesn't sound like he's in pain or anything like that. It sounds like he wants attention. Uh, yeah. And it may be that a trainer could help you with that, but it's kind of difficult to to know what to say other than the fact that it does sound fairly normal and he was probably traumatized as a puppy. And I guess he's wanting attention now. All right. I wish I could tell you more. Jordan, uh, thanks for your phone call. You know, Dr. Major, my brother uh, has a rescue uh, dog who was very skittish, and I think you're right that we don't ever know what sort of trauma might have existed before we get the pets, and I think maybe the best uh, um, course of action is, you know, tender, loving care and just take real good care of them, give them lots of attention, and I think that that maybe eventually uh, that will help them get over whatever it was, you know, earlier in their life that, that was so traumatic. And I'm sure Jordan has tried to do all of that. You know, we see some of the dogs that are rescues that were uh, either on the road, starving to death just about or whatever, and some of these dogs are so aggressive about food that they would eat till they pop, you know, or fight another dog away if you were feeding, uh, you know, more than one dog at the same time. So they can develop some behavioral-type characteristics that are hard to uh, hard to change, and I think you're absolutely right as much as possible. Uh, plenty of attention and uh, trying to find a trigger that uh, will help where you're not rewarding him for whining, but reward for not whining somehow. <laughs> That's what 
what I would suggest. All right, uh, Jordan, again, thanks for the phone call. And also a big shout-out to people who adopt uh, dogs like that, dogs and cats, pets like that, giving them a second chance uh, that, uh, you know, earlier in life uh, were treated poorly. So uh, kudos to you folks out there who who pour out uh, your love and affection to these guys that have been abandoned. So it's a, it's a, it's a good thing. Let's move on next. We'll go to Macomb, and Linda's on the line. Good morning, Linda. What do you have for us? Um, we have a rescue as well. Uh, he's part boxer and, and lots of other parts, I think. He's very pretty. He apparently was born in April, so I guess he's like eight months old. And I get that boxers are high energy and puppies are high energy. One question I have is, when does that wear off? And another question I have is, he's pretty much not even trained, and he would, you know, use the bathroom outside. And now, all of a sudden, he started peeing in his kennel. Why, okay. why, why is that, and, and what can I do? Gosh, okay. As far as the exuberance or the excitement of a puppy, usually by the time they're a year, year and a half, they will slow down with that. Uh, I've often said, you know, labs are notorious. I realize this is a boxer, but they're all pretty much the same as far as their excitement. But labs, for example, can be the perfect dog after they're about three years old when they <laughs> stop tearing the house, tearing the house down, and uh, just you know, getting into stuff. And I'm sure this dog is still pretty much in the puppy stage. Yeah. Um, yeah. How long has he yeah. been uh, uh, urinating in his kennel? Just like a week. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know why this is. Have you changed why his food or anything like that? No. Okay. He's, um, my daughter is out, was out for the holidays, for the Christmas holidays. And right. she tends to leave him in his it's not even a kennel anymore. We had to get, he's too big. He got to be ginormous. And, and, uh, but he has been neutered. Is that what neutered? Neutered? Yes. Yes. Not saved, right? Yes. Okay, he has been neutered. And so he's done that December 18th, something like that. But anyway, he, um, we, the kennel got too small, so we went to get another bigger kennel. And we just got one that's like a wire enclosure that you fold up. It's not a, doesn't have a top on it because he's in the house. Right. We live in town. Okay. Well, she made it bigger, and I, I, I told her to make it smaller, but she made it bigger, and I'm wondering if he's, you know, using a bathroom on it and then scooting himself over to another drier area, and maybe we should make it smaller. I mean, I don't know what to do. It might it might help to make it smaller, certainly. Uh, it sounds like he was doing okay in the smaller kennel. One of the things that could be, still could have some, Gosh, nothing wrong with the neuter, but he still could be a little irritated still from that. I'm just wondering if this started after he was neutered or before. Uh, I would try to get him out as often as you can. Uh, there's no reason to scold him when he uh, urinates in his kennel, but reward him when he goes outside, so. goes outside and, and does his business, you know, small treat. And... Uh, uh, just keep working with him. I think he's going to get out of this. Uh, but you might, for a while, try the smaller kennel just to see if that helps, okay? Okay, thank you. All right, uh, thanks for your call. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major. It's an all-pet day today. Still time to work in a question. You can always email as well, animals at mpbonline.org. In fact, we just got an email in. And so, Dr. Major, this one says, 
I have an eight-and-a-half-year-old male black Russian terrier who's eating my rugs. He did this several years ago but stopped. About two weeks ago, though, he resumed his behavior. I've limited his access to rugs now. Also have a black uh, Russian terrier female that's his litter mate and a 15-year-old blonde lab mix in the house. Is there something missing from the one dog's diet, or is there something that I could do to stop the rug eating? He's not interested in toys. Well, that's that's a difficult question, uh, and I don't know the, how to answer. I do know that some dogs get in a situation where they will eat any type of uh, cloth. Uh, I know of one specifically that will eat uh, parts of the bedspread, uh a towel if it's left on the floor. Uh, the dog's had one surgery because of that, but he actually eats and passes pieces of cloth all the time. I There are some things that you supposedly can put on the carpet uh, that might help uh, as far as trying to deter that. One's called bitter apple. Uh, it's a spray, but you really shouldn't, wouldn't want to spray the whole carpet if it's got any size. Uh, I would say that the best thing right now is keep him away from carpet. I don't know if you can do that or not. But uh, it's strange that he did that and then started back, what, two years after she said, after he stopped. So I am not sure that I can tell you uh, a cure for that. Uh, It may be more psychological than anything else. I really don't believe it's because of a deficiency. I would suggest, though, just in case it might be to have a uh, blood panel, blood chemistry workup, uh, CBC blood chemistry, just to see if there's any deficiency that shows up there. Probably would be wise. You know, we, earlier we were talking about uh, the annual visit, and, and sort of behavior like that would certainly be something that you would want to bring up in an annual visit, although this one you're suggesting might be worth an extra visit just to check things out to Absolutely. see that there's not yes. an underlying cause. Absolutely. That's, that's the reason I said it like that, because there could be something that shows up. Anemia, possibly, you know, could cause uh, a dog to have strange behavior as far as trying to uh, eat the carpet. Uh, we see some dogs that lick excessively. I have heard several dogs that would lick you know, like a fireplace, the front part of the fireplace, you know, just lick that uh, brick or uh, the area there. So. Those things are really strange. Usually you can't find the problem, though, but it certainly would bear uh, having some blood work done just to be sure that there's nothing that's obvious. All right. Back to the phone lines we go. James has called in this morning. James, you're on the air with us. Go ahead. Hey, Doc. Listen, I've rescued some cats, and uh, my three, four cats turned into about 20 cats now. (laughs) Uh, I've been taking them up to Mississippi State, and we get them spayed and neutered. Uh, from time to time when we can afford it. But uh, the the question is for you today is I've got one or two little cats that are sneezing. And uh, uh, it's like a, I don't know, it's like almost like a sinus infection or something. Uh, I've, I've, I've used Vixaf just a little bit, and, it, and it's gave them some temporary relief. I was wondering if it's something, uh, not all of them are sneezing, it's just one or two. How old, are, how old are these cats that are sneezing? Uh, well, these are the, the younger group now, uh, so this is uh, I, they're probably uh, six months old. 
you know, there's there's several viruses that can affect this. It sounds like it's probably that. When you have a group of cats, they're going to share viruses. The older cats will uh, usually be, uh, what should I say, somewhat resistant to it or at least not showing the symptoms, whereas the right. younger cats usually will be the ones that are sneezing or have goopy eyes or discharge from their nose. When they sneeze, do they shake their head kind of when they're doing that? Yeah, I don't know. It may be a bad question, but yes, I would suspect that it's one of the viruses, such as rhinotracheitis. Uh, um, have you been vaccinating the cats? Uh, well, when we t- we take them up there and they do vaccinate them, right? We, these kids may or may not these kids may or may not have been vaccinated, but I think what you're dealing with is a no, viral situation. These the ones that. The one, the, the particular one I'm calling about today, she she has not. She's a little calico, and she she has not been vaccinated. No, right. So, you know, I would suggest that uh, number one, there are some things that can be done. Vaccination will help. On the other hand, any population of cats, if you've got 15 or 20 cats, you're going to have more than one cat that's a carrier of these viruses. They probably aren't showing symptoms of it themselves, or they may be occasionally. Sometimes stress will cause, uh, you know, kind of a breakout of viral type infection. But I would suggest, uh, you got, are you close to Starkville or? Well, we're about the same as, uh, Starkville is about the same as Jackson to me. I'm in the middle of Okay. I'm just, I'm just wondering. You might, you probably have like that fairly close, fairly close I'm, by. I'd suggest getting one or more of these cats in and let the vet check them over. Okay. Right, right. I understand. Thank you. Right. Be good. Thank you. Thanks, James, uh, for your call. <clears throat> so, Doctor Major, got a couple of minutes left. And uh, earlier, we had talked about uh, food, and uh, when it comes to wet versus dry. Is there really a, a huge difference, and it maybe comes down to what uh, preference your pet has? You know that's true. Uh, in generally, I, in general, I prefer the dry food, but uh, I supplement some uh, as on my cats, especially with a little wet food occasionally, just as a treat, as much as anything. A good balanced diet, though, uh, you can control it. Uh, pretty well with a, with a dry food, one of the good quality dry foods. The same thing is true with dogs. Uh, teeth are one of the biggest reasons why a dog or a cat will stop eating or chewing properly, and sometimes they will uh, opt for the canned food as opposed to the dry food. But as far as nutrition, they should, if you feed the correct amount, your nutrition still should be met either with the dry or wet food. You know, I'm surprised I got my cat uh, wet food every once in a while, and he does not really seem to eat it very well. So I figure, hey, if you like the dry food, we'll just go with that. And he he certainly munches down on that, so he seems to be happy. Uh, also, I guess it's important, uh, water is important to have uh, with along with their food. Absolutely. And, of course, I think you should have a constant source of water. I have one cat that will only uh, drink, well, I think he will drink elsewhere, but he loves the bubbler. The type of uh, has a little water fountain that bowls out, and he loves that. That's where you usually find him when he drinks. Uh, he gets upset if it if it runs low. <laughs> <laughs> He'll come tell you. But uh, yes, always have water available. Uh, 
think that's very important both for our dogs and cats. Uh, my other thing from previous experience with another cat, you know, it's cute to see them when they drink from the uh, the faucet, uh, but it got to the point with my cat where she basically kind of wanted to have it that way and not dr- drinking out of a bowl anymore. So I guess my un- unofficial advice would be be careful because uh, sometimes they'll they'll get to that and then you you pretty much got to do it that way for the, you know, so. Right. It, it is cute and there are cats that can turn the faucet on if they can figure it out. So then you have water running probably while you're not at home if the cat can turn it on itself. There's a, a YouTube type thing that I saw where the cat knocked a towel in the sink, turned it on, oh, no. and flooded the house. So these things, these things can't can happen. I, I don't suggest trying to train a cat to drink out of the faucet. I think you're right. The bubbler is the alternative to that because it's the same sort of thing where you get the flowing water. So maybe uh, go to the pet store and, and try to find one of those if you uh, want to do it that way. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, and funding is provided by listeners. To hear today's show or a previous show, you can go to creaturecomforts.mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Media app for your smartphone. Our show is produced by Java Chapman. Our call screener today was Charles Arnold. For Dr. Troy Major, Libby Hartfield, I'm Kevin Farrell. Up next, it's AutoCorrect. We'll be back next Tuesday, uh, not Tuesday, but Thursday at 9 for Creature Comforts that's heard only on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.